are you? Where are you? Well, I'm fine actually, and we are sat here on the beach in Sanwon Dal Sur. So the Sur signals that we're in the south of Nicaragua. Well, south of anywhere really, but in this particular case, it's Nicaragua. And uh, I guess a bit of an apology to um, a former Warm Showers host, uh, Tanya, who said, "Don't come to San Juan del Sur. It's crap. Um, it's real touristy." Well, we've just kind of ended up here anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but it's by the beach. It's a little bit more expensive than um, you would normally expect because it's so touristy, but it's quite nice nonetheless. Uh, welcome to the How Are You, Where Are You podcast, an audio travelogue of our adventures by bike as we pedal bit by bit, stroke by stroke, from the colonial empire of the United Kingdom uh, to a place that offers a beacon of hope for all of humanity, the Hutt Valley of New Zealand. So far we've ridden across Europe from London to Lisbon and then across the contours of Central America from Cancun to here in San Juan del Sur in Nicaragua. And we'll keep going as long as we can be bothered and right now we can be bothered. In breaking news, we have now ridden in three countries in the last two weeks. So last episode, we were near El Salvador's capital in the midst of our big push towards Nicaragua. And we made it. We have cycled for, well, there's been about 12 days cycling since we last um, recorded our podcast. And we covered 900 kilometers in that time. Um, we climbed 7,600 vertical meters. 7,000 delicious vertical meters. It's almost up at Everest, not quite. So... Yeah, a uh, pretty good effort, and that took approximately 57 hours. <laughs> we also stopped in Leon, Granada, Ometepe, and now here in San Juan del Sur. It's been quite a long time since we've had a special guest on our podcast. <laughs> uh, the last one was probably uh, Johan, right? In, no, uh, Nathan Tari. Oh, Nathan Tari, the famous Nathan Tari, yes. Yeah. And that was also on the Pacific coast, uh, back in Puerto Escondido. Yeah. So... Uh, we're back on the Pacific again, so we've got another guest, and it is uh, Ivan Said, or better known as Pistache Radioactivo Garcia. <laughs> so, Pistache, you're a cycle adventure, a curious human being. Uh, you've uh, finally caught us up here in uh, Nicaragua. What sort of trip are you on? Oh, I just want to know where I live the Latin American continent, American continent. Okay, because you're from Mexico. Which place in Mexico? I'm from San Luis Potosí. Okay, okay. So where are you heading? To Chile, I think so. If my leg uh, permits me. <laughs> is it permitting so far? Are you, is yeah. the body holding up? No, I, everything is good yeah. so far. I think that may be in part because you're carrying like fish oil tablets and like amino acid tablets. That's a recommendation from for a friend, from a friend, from a really strong man in San Luis Potosí. So yesterday or well, last night, uh, when we, you know, we both arrived, well, we met you here for the first time in San Juan You uh, opened up your pannier bag, and there was a sort of mystery of all this uneaten food that you hadn't got through. But it was really. Um, like sort of stuff that we you know, were unaccustomed to, like that, all that soya, all those spices, all those unopened spices. Um, it was sort of like a magical mystery bag. It was co cocoa bean seeds and chia seeds and yeah, lots of exciting stuff. Yeah. It's why we eat, no? Cyclists eat 
much protein, much carbohydrates. Yeah, yeah. It, and I like spacious. Well, you've got to have some flavour in the food, even if it is just pasta. <laughs> so we, um, we've, all of us have just come through Honduras. We didn't really spend very long there. I mean, we were only there for a weekend, and I think you were only there for two days. Um, so it was quite hard, I think, to, to get a handle on what kind of a country it was. But, um, you know, while you're cycling along and you know you're not there for long, you try to take notice of some, some kind of thing. So what were some of the weird things that maybe you noticed coming through Honduras that stuck out for you? A pulperia. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I think they sell some pulpas. Yeah. And no, pulperia is like a store. Like a store. Yeah. yeah. Well, what is pulpas, though? Pulpa is some... Um, is it like the fruit? Like the fruit making like a... Um, jelly oh, from the fruit, from okay. tamarindos and something like that. Oh. Chamoy. In Mexico, it's really famous pulpas. Ah, so you saw the sign. So we should explain. So once we, as soon as we came into Honduras, we started to notice on the side of the road there were all these things called pulperias. Like stores, shops. Yeah, so we were like, what is this about? Because obviously pulpo and, you know, is octopus and we love octopus, but we were kind of like in the middle. Well, we were yeah. sort of near the sea, but it wasn't likely to be octopus. And often you're not going to expect to see octopus restaurants sort of every five minutes yeah, along yeah. the road. <laughs> so, I mean, we pulled into one and asked them what they sell and they just sell everything. It's just like a normal store with cigarettes and candy and you know, bits and pieces. And, but you are like from Mexico, you speak Spanish, but you still don't know what they were either. No, I, no, I don't know what was it. I just, I want some pulpa. I, and the girls watch me and like, what the fuck? And I, I want some pulpa, please. <laughs> it's like a pulperia, like a, I was through Salvador. It, they were a lot of pupuserias and pupusa is like typical food in Salvador. I think pulpa, is typical food in Honduras, yeah. but isn't. It just like is not a thing in Honduras. So anyway, so we saw lots of those and then we looked them up on Wikipedia last, afterwards, didn't we? To try and find out a bit more about it. Yeah, so it turns out, I mean, they are just the general stores, basically. And what was the history of it? That they, they've been around for several, um, they've been around for ages now, haven't they? Yeah. And they sort of just grew from, um, you know, from this sort of thing, selling uh, fruit pulp. Yeah. And then then from that they've just evolved into general stores and now in Honduras and we've seen lots of them in Nicaragua as well yeah. pupurria is just what they call general store or tienda yeah. so yeah that was like a little quirky thing that you can notice from just like riding along on the road another thing that um, we were seeing everywhere was Morasan who is Morasan did you notice this name everywhere you didn't see it no, no? I don't see Morasan Okay. What's he modest, huh? <laughs> he was like, it was like schools were named after him and there were uh, sports fields and monuments and street names. And so, Baden, you kind of tried to find out who he was, right? Yeah, so Morazan is um, General Francisco Morazan. And so you think, oh, okay, just another sort of military dictator that's um, you know, run rampant somewhere in Central America. But this guy was a little bit different, actually. Uh, I don't... I'm probably going to get my centuries wrong for people who are just like poised on Wikipedia now, like searching up Morazan. But I believe it was in the 1800s. Um, he was a general from uh, Honduras, yeah. El Triunfo, I think, in Honduras. And he um, 
had an idea to unite all the Central American nations. He thought, you know, they should all be sort of, they've got all these commonalities, they should all be one nation. And he started, um, he, he became very popular in um, El Salvador and in Honduras and also in um, northern parts of Nicaragua as well. And he actually um, managed to get everyone around the table to sort of agree to a customs union and form like a, a, a like a block, a united a united block of the Central Americas. But then when it came down to it, the the governments that were in place in all these countries managed to hold firm. And then, but he's still celebrated today as someone who was a uniting figure. And there haven't been that many uniting figures in Central American history. Thanks very much for that, Baden. I noticed that pistachio is glazed over and looking into the distance. <laughs> I think in a really nice photo of the Christ here in Nicaragua. So, what's the story with the Christ here in San Juan? I don't know the story. No? No. Well, just it's a 25-meter statue of Jesus, or Jesus, as he's known here, uh, standing on a big hilltop. And it's like one of the largest ones in the world, I think. Yeah, I'm going to like pull up another stat here. Oh I'm not sure if it's completely correct, but I think um, the, the Christ statue on top of the hill there is the biggest statue of Christ in the world, second, the second biggest statue of Christ in the world, only after Christ the Redeemer in Rio, in Brazil. Um, but it's still 40 meters shorter than that Christ statue. Yeah, I was going to so. say, it doesn't look super impressive. Um, we'll get Pistache to take a photo of it and we'll, we'll post it up. Um, another kind of uh, interesting thing that happened to us that was just a bit out of the ordinary was we had like our first semi-major mechanical issue um, in Honduras where um, Baden and I left a town called Nakaomi and we cycled over a really bumpy bridge and I kind of noticed something looked like it was wrong with Baden's rear wheel in that it was just wavering all over the place. So we stopped and had a look and he had broken a spoke. Turn the bike upside down. Hola, un problema con la rueda. un kilometro. I pulled over and um, my spoke was completely broken, and so I was like, not being Mr. Bike Mechanic. Uh, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to be able to repair it properly and it was Sunday morning as well and so we weren't really wanting to be stuck in that town for another night waiting for a bike shop so we had a crack at sort of fixing it ourselves with the help of um, a roadside police checkpoint which happened to be set up at the same point. It mostly just resulted in people gathering around and watching you and you getting quite uncomfortable. Yeah, a lot of, well, there was a bit of a crowd that had formed. Um, I wouldn't have thought it'd be like the circus watching someone fix a spoke. But yeah, it's, it ended up being the case. And yeah, sort of managed to get the spoke in and put it in place and kind of like tightening it up. But I just wasn't happy with the wheel. I could have probably tried to fix it myself a little bit more, but I didn't. Well, and we found out that there was a bike shop. Yeah, so. a bike shop in town. And so this guy woke up on a Sunday morning at 8 o'clock and came down to the shop and he straightened my wheel for us. So, Aww. yeah, that was uh, that was really great. A lovely Ramon. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think we might have... I think I made a recording of Ramon, so maybe we can oh, have the sounds of Ramon. <laughs> 
Also, I fell off my bike, so um, I haven't actually told my mum that. It wasn't serious, and it was my fault. I was busy trying to change my podcast on my iPod and not looking where I was going, and I rode into a pothole and fell off. Like, f- my face hit the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I've forgotten about that one. Yeah, yeah I kind of just happened to turn around at that point, and then I see Shelly sprawled out on the <laughs> on the road. Um, no, there was no trucks or anything coming, so it was good on that point. So, but yeah, and then um, I saw, I, basically Shelly was sprawled out on the road, and then her um, iPod was maybe two meters in front of her. <laughs> so I did a bit of CSI here, and I was like, "Hold on, were you like doing something on your iPod?" And then now you've fallen off your bike. She was going, oh, no, I just didn't see that pothole came out of nowhere. Well, why would your iPod be two metres in front of you on the road? Like the headphones still attached to my head and this yeah, little yeah. cable trailing out in front of me. I used to try to change your boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, we've had to quickly run from the other restaurant as Pistachio set the alarm off um, because actually it was closed. We were just using one of their tables. And so now we're in a new location, which is open and legal. (laughs) (laughs) And we're ready to start back up again. Pistachio? Nicaragua. Madre, que dar pudiste en tu vientre pequeño. Tantas rubias bellezas y tropical tesoro. Tanto lago de azures, tanta rosa de oro. Ay. Tanta paloma dulce, tanto triguesareño. Yo te lo agradezco en que forjé mi empeño. La caja de armonía que guarda mi tesoro. La peaña de diamantes del ídolo que adoro. Y te ofrezco mi esfuerzo, y mi nombre, y mi sueño. Oh, amazing. So who was that poem by? Rubén Darío, okay. Nicaragua. Who, and he's very famous here. Yeah, yeah. really famous. Yeah, Rubén Darío, like, you know, most countries uh, probably just shit on their poets. So what are, why do people like create, why are people doing poetry? I mean, in New Zealand, we don't really celebrate our poets too much. We've got some pretty good ones. In um, Britain, you know, you have Poet Laureate, but no one's really massively into poetry. Here in Nicaragua, like, poets are rock stars you know like the massive celebrities and um, people really get into poetry they have a big poetry festival in Granada so um, but Ruben Dario is like the um, well what would he be he's like the like the Richie McCaw of poetry yeah the Richie McCaw of poetry the he's like um, he's like the um, Diego Rivera of poetry Pistachio what does like some what does the poem actually mean that you just read what does it mean? Yeah. That he loves Nicaragua and... Oh. <laughs> Is he talking about like the beautiful lakes in Nicaragua? And the, the beautiful nature in Nicaragua. He offers Nicaragua all the effort, the name and, and the dreams of Ruben Darío. Beautiful. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, I don't know if he came to San Juan del Sur so much. He was mostly from Leon, I think. Yeah. Oh, although he was born in um, Matagalpa and more in the interior. He's yeah. born in Leon. Yeah, but he's really famous in Leon. Like there's a um, 
like even a Muslim, um, like a monument to his mother in Lyon, as well as like a Ruben Dario um, museum. So yeah, like that's really sort of celebrating your poetry. Yeah, definitely. So. We so our first stop in Nicaragua was in Lyon, and um, we spent a couple of nights there. Third stop. Was it our third? Well, no, but like our rest, we rested mm. there. That was like where we stopped finally after coming through. El Salvador and Honduras, we rested in Leon. It's Nicaragua's second largest city. Um, and it used to be the capital. It was founded in the 1500s um, by the Spanish. And it used to be the capital. And then I think it had a really bad earthquake. And yeah, it's not the capital anymore. The capital is now Managua. But what did you what did you think of Leon? Did you like it? Really? I, I, I don't like Leon. Oh, why, why? It's... It's like Antigua and San Cristobal de las Casas. It's just a colonial place, but every everywhere is like many tourism and many drunk people. And everything is so expensive there. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It is kind of like that. It's funny as well when you're cycle touring because you stop in lots of the normal towns of of a country, and then you get to these ones where it's all gringo and like touristy and with the fancy cafes and things and you're just like this is weird yeah yeah very weird you obviously didn't stay at casa ivana in leon no i stayed in a hostel yeah well, we stayed in a hostel as well five dollars five dollars yeah. i just pay eight dollars oh, that's really <laughs> expensive <laughs> <laughs> Well, one thing that we did when we were there was we visited the Museum of Stories and Legends. So this is housed in an old prison in which political prisoners were tortured during Somoza's regime. It's called Garrison 21, I think. Um, and it's really quite small and the cells were tiny and 20 people would be smushed into a cell um, and they waterboarded them and did all sorts of things. I, maybe even people were executed there, I'm not sure. Anyway, it was abandoned, obviously, after Samosa, you know, was kicked out. Um, and a, a lady in Leon decided that she wanted to start this museum in her house of all the stories and legends in, um, in Nicaragua. And after a while, her, her sort of museum got too big. So the, the city officials said, well, you can use the prison if you want. So they moved it in there. And this museum is really crazy, Baden. You went there 10 years ago, didn't you? You didn't realize until we got there that you'd already seen it. Yeah, I didn't realize I'd already been there. But since um, I've been there, uh, they've created this sort of folk art, um, uh, sort of a folk art exhibition type thing of like, um, you know, folklores and... Uh, no famous characters in story in, in Nicaraguan stories. Yeah. Like when I was there, it was just sort of like the prison. You could go and check out the cells and oh, things. I'm pretty sure. So I mean, yeah. I don't have any memory of all these things that we saw as we walked around that museum on this right. tour with okay, Wilbur. So maybe since you were there, that that that's when the ladies were given permission to uh, put maybe, put it all in yeah. there. So what it is is she created all of these. Um, paper mache life-size models to represent stories and legends um, of Nicaragua. So for example, there's like a big um, scary looking wagon, carreta, and it's supposed to like pick up drunk people and steal souls and there's, you know, that's, there's also like a, the wit story of the witch pig, there's the story of the golden crab, um, what else is there? There's the story of the headless priest. There's all this kind of like creepy, weird stuff, and all of the models are super budget and crappy looking, but it's kind of cool in a way. And also, they use like all these kind of airy sounds, don't they? Yeah, really kind of, kind of weird, 
cheap little speakers in the corner of these prison cells that project these sort of weird haunting noises. Yeah, so we're just, anyway, I think you, can, you should be able to hear them underneath us now. Yeah, it, it was pretty creepy walking into these prison cells where people were actually tortured and they've kind of made them into fun story centres yeah. with, uh, with, uh, with this weird music. I'm kind of not sure how to feel really because on one side it's really, really dark and then they've got, here's a room full of um, creepy figures dressed in traditional dance costumes. And it's like, what? Mm-hmm. So the podcast has taken a bit of a turn uh, today. We've had Poetry Corner in Spanish for the first time. Um, so we've introduced poetry. It's a very cultured podcast. And so now I think it's time to introduce um, Story Corner. Oh, really? And... Uh, our, um, our storyteller today is our guide from the Folklore Museum, a man called Wilbur, who we had to keep, he, he spoke English, but he spoke English in a way that Shelley and I really understood. Um, like, was, as in infrequently understood. Frequently, very rarely understood, because uh, he spoke so quickly, and we just couldn't, like, he was the English guy, but we, we speak English quite well, and we couldn't understand him. So, um, so, so I guess you know, what you're about to hear is uh, a bit of a, a game for you. Can you understand Wilbur? And uh, I think it's a, a pretty interesting story. So what, should we give the title away at this point of the story? No. Okay, take it away, Wilbur. Take your tit because she was very ugly. She decided not to get married with anyone. Uh, the only attraction on her were her tits. Her father, the, he was a landlord man, tried to look for someone. She uh, tried to looking for someone to get married with her, but it was impossible to find him because she was very ugly. The situation is that she was crazy in mind, and she was with the time she was looking for a man or for the drunker man, and she said to them, "Take your teeth, please. Take your teeth." This is the similar like the audio grind in Spanish here that you hear that. Take your teeth, please. Take your teeth. Men who were attracted by her teeth put their mouth into the teeth, but when occurred that she made a strong hit and chucked to them, and the men appeared dead on the street. <laughs> In order for you to get the, the full picture of, uh, of the story, you probably want to see the, the <laughs> mannequin that was being talked about. Well, go to our website. And uh, in the post on this podcast, you'll see a picture oh of God. what I guess is a, uh, a tit pick. <laughs> okay, so after Leon, we moved on to Granada, which um, we weren't massive fans of. Like, we ran into two people in quick succession who had both been robbed while they were there, like mugged. I don't know, it just seemed like quite tacky. And the street that we were staying on was just at every night packed with tourists and people selling shit and it was it wasn't it was not not a great scene really pretty town though really really nice town there was a bit of a cultural performance on because um apparently in nicaragua and they're really into their um lightweight boxes and one of their famous boxes al chocolate the chocolate boy um he was um which sounds quite racist is he called the chocolate boy or have you just interpreted no, no, it like he that? was called al chocolate but I don't think that means the chocolate boy. Doesn't it just mean the chocolate? The ch- well, you know, he is a boy. He was a very small boy fighting in Las Vegas, and he won. And the, um, d- up and down the street, all the restaurants were full when people were watching this boxing on the big screen. Did you see this? Chocolatito. Chocolatito, yes. Chocolatito is the nickname of the boxer. Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, that was a sort of big cultural performance. And then the next day, we decided to go for a ride without our panniers. 
which is kind of a strange revelation because it always feels really like the bike feels really unbalanced when there's no bags and things on it. Does it, it feel it weird up. when you ride without the bags? Yeah, really. It, I, <laughs> I think like I'm going to fall everywhere. Yeah, yeah, you just completely lose your balance without all that weight and ballast. Yeah. Anyway, we went out for this bike ride to this point and um, on the way there we're asking for directions and people kept saying, no, you don't want to go there, it's dangerous. And we're like, well, how dangerous can it be? You know, it's Nicaraguans <laughs> are really friendly and then with a third time that we needed to we went down this road and there seemed to be houses and things I thought it was fine yeah. and so we, and then um, we needed directions again and then someone said no no you must not go any further it's really dangerous down there turn around and go back you know yeah, they'll see that you're alone and they will rob you we were like okay yeah so that wasn't like the sort of the greatest vibe to sort of take away from Granada no but we we so we left we headed down to um, Lake Nicaragua. Yeah, Lake Nicaragua. And then and the island of Ometepe. Yes, it's a big island. Um, it takes it's about 70k around to cycle around the outside of the island. And um, yeah, it's like a really kind of a place to relax in the middle of the island. And our plan was going to be that we would uh, get the boat out to Ometepe. And there's another ferry that comes down from Granada and stops at Ometepe, it goes on to um, this place called San Carlos and then there's like a river that you can like put your bikes on a boat and it takes you in across the border into Costa Rica. So we thought that would be like a really cool way to get to Costa Rica. But unfortunately, there has been, um, Nicaragua has basically been in drought since 2014. And you know, we can sort of feel that, it's so hot all the time. And, and it's very, the land is quite dry. And um, as a result, the lake levels are very low at the moment. And it meant that the ferry um, c couldn't run across the lake because the boat was too heavy and it would, get, it would um, run aground because the lake levels are so low. And it's quite curious, really, because across that lake is where the Nicaraguans and, the Ch and a Chinese Hong Kong developer are planning to build a sort of $100 billion canal to, in competition to the Panama Canal. And basically it's meant to start up the coast from here at a place called Brito, um, probably about uh, 20k up the road here from San Juan del Sur. And they're going to cut, because uh, where we are at the moment is like a narrow isthmus of land between uh, the Pacific Ocean and the lake. They're going to cut a hole through that and then run big massive container ships across the Lake Nicaragua. The problem is, is uh, that... This is a big lake as well, right? This yeah, lake is huge. Yeah, it's about 8,000 square metres. So when you consider Topo, Lake Topo... 8,000 square... Do you mean kilometres or metres? Oh, kilometres, sorry. 8,000 square kilometres. Yeah. Uh, I think Lake Topo, which is like one of the biggest lakes in New Zealand, that's about 600 or something. Yeah. But the point is, is like, you know, how are they going to run massive container ships over Lake Nicaragua if they can't run a simple car ferry? Um, across the lake. Yeah. It's the second lake, it's the second biggest lake in America. In, in, the, in the whole America. continent? In Central America, yeah. The first, the biggest lake is to, it's in... Bolivia. Bolivia. Peru. Titicaca. Titicaca and then East uh, Nicaragua. Yeah. Incredible. When we were on it, looking out on the uh, north side, it was like looking out at sea. Yeah, uh, no, like there, it's um, a lot of wind comes across the lake, so you can have fairly big waves as well. It's like yeah, they had quite a lot of wind turbines, didn't they? Yeah, a lot of wind turbines as well. So, 
yeah, I mean, the lake is um, is also a massive source of fresh water. And the problem is, if you're going to like make a canal from the Pacific Ocean, you're going to contaminate it with salt water. There's massive. I mean, so from is my this perspective, canal actually going ahead, or is it all pretty complicated? Well, the deals have been signed, but no one knows how it's going to be financed. So that's the big secret that no one can get any answers from the Nicaraguan government or the Chinese developers. And as 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 of this point, there actually hasn't been any construction done on the project, even though it's all been approved and things. So I think the environmental concerns are probably the, the biggest dodgy, the dodgiest part of this. You know, they're going to have to dredge the hell out of that lake. It normally doesn't stop big companies from doing things like this, though. Yeah, but I think it'll be. I mean, while it might be good to have competition to the Panama Canal, it's, um, yeah, at what price? I think basically this is our last day in Nicaragua. The three of us are going to be setting off um, south towards Costa Rica, right? Yeah, three amigos. Like, we haven't, we haven't met any cycle tourists on this whole trip. Actually, we met an Argentinian guy in, Central, in uh, Guatemala. But in Central America, we've seen no other cycle tourists until you rolled into town yesterday. Oh, Pistache! Yay, we're a little cycling family now. Yeah, we are the three musketeers. Yeah. <laughs> so the Peloton will be setting off from San Juan del Sur early doors tomorrow morning, and we're going into Costa Rica. And uh, people have sort of kept warning us about Costa Rica the whole way. You're going to find it really expensive. Remember our um, friends we met in Chisac? Um, John and Kristen from Colorado, they were saying that um, it's basically American prices in Costa Rica. So, you know, humble cycle tourists on low budgets, it's going to be um, a bit of a challenge. So the aim is to sort of get through it, you know, as quick as we can, eat lots of beans and rice. Well, we've got pistachios panniers are full of rice and all sorts of other good stuff so we'll be fine, right? And you're, it sounds like you're quite a good cook. What were you talking about making these vegetarian ceviches? We can make it someday. Yeah. <laughs> someday it will happen. Mush- cauliflower, mushroom, it's going to be delicious. Yeah, and hopefully we can sort of, we've, we've eyed up a camping spot tomorrow night in Costa Rica, so hopefully that all comes and then um, we can uh, beat the Costa Rican's economy and go through there, <laughs> contribute nothing to the, the country's <laughs> tourism uh, industry and uh, get through the other side into Panama and maybe a week to 10 days yeah well i this morning pistachio was saying we can do it in five so we'll see we'll see what happens we don't know we don't. before that i think we should just worry about uh getting in that ocean and making sure we have a swim before we go tomorrow right yeah okay all right so that's our podcast for today thank you very much for listening we'd love to know how you are and where you are so you can email us how are you where are you at gmail.com or you can go to our blog how are you where are you.com where we'll have some photos we'll have a photo of pistachio of course posing on the beach <laughs> and we'll have uh links as well if you want to subscribe to our podcast there's uh soundcloud and itunes you can subscribe there also post a comment we love getting comments on our on our uh, posts on our blogs so that'd be great um thank you very much to callum campbell for the original music in the podcast if you do want to catch up with baden online you can go to at baden c on twitter or baden cycling on instagram although you've been a bit quiet on twitter lately yeah maybe you should follow uh shelly m campbell on instagram where are are the great pics coming from (laughs) alright well we'll catch you again next time bye for now bye ciao